Amen, amen. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. As we're going to continue the theme of beholding. Um, we just sung about beholding our God, and we just sung about beholding the Lord, and nothing, nothing can compare to Him. And my prayer today is that we would just taste and see the Lord is good, that, that we'd be helped as we look to the Word of God and the Gospel of John, that we would experience a kind of beholding that's fresh and glorious and amazing. So let's ask God to help us now as we pray. Father God, we thank You that You are worthy of all our praise. You're worthy of all our glory, or of, of us bringing glory and honor and praise to your name. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are faithful to send Jesus to save sinners like us. Lord, we thank you that all who were in darkness and without hope in this world, you sent the light of God to penetrate into the darkness to redeem a people to yourself. And you did it through the sending of the Son. You did it through one who you could see with your physical eyes, but you need spiritual grace. You need, you need the Spirit of God at work in your heart to be able to see who He really is. Veiled in flesh. He's the very Son of God. And I pray that you would encourage us now. I pray that your spirit would open our hearts to receive all that you want to say to us today from the Gospel of John in just a few verses. Lord, that if we're coming in heavy-hearted, that we'd be lifted up. If we're coming in in darkness, that the light would shine. If we're coming in and we're without peace, that peace would begin to dawn and break in because we're actually seeing Jesus for who He is. And we thank You, Lord, that Jesus is a sweet and glorious Savior. And we just pray, Lord, help us to have eyes to see Him now afresh. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, the title of this message is Beholding Jesus as the Son of God and the Lamb of God. So it's very, very simple to kind of get before our mind. We're going to be doing some looking. We're going to be do, doing some beholding. But you've got to have new eyes to be able to see who this King is. And I just want to look at two verses and then I want to tell you a story about another chapter in the Gospel of John. And then we're going to drink up these two verses for about 30 minutes or so. So look with me at verse 14 of John 1. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we're going to try to wring out some more truth from that text so we can see more of who Jesus is. 
Then drop down to verse 29. And we're going to look at another kind of beholding again. The next day, he saw Jesus. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John is wanting us to see right from the start in chapter 1 that we need to behold Jesus as the Son, the only Son from the Father, and we need to behold Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Today's Lord's Supper, so, so we're going to lean into the Lamb of God part at the end of our service where Jesus died as a sacrifice to save sinners. He died. He bore the wrath of God on a cross. He was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world so that we could experience redemption and life. And He was the Son of God and is the Son of God who's come down to rescue us. So we've got to do a kind of beholding that's commended in the Bible. And it made me think, I was reading this week the story of the blind man that comes out of John chapter 9. This was the account. This is a historical account of a man who was born blind. And you all know the story. This man was born blind. He had been blind his whole life. And he encounters Jesus. And Jesus gives him sight. This man could not see physically. And then Jesus opens his eyes so that he can see. And all the while, Jesus is opening, opening another set of eyes so he could see and cry out, Lord, I believe. I believe you're the Messiah. And in that same chapter, this healing of the blind man on the Sabbath day causes all kinds of controversy. Because not everybody's happy that Jesus healed this man. Not everybody's happy. Not everybody looks at a man healed who was blind from birth and is excited about it. And they both have access to Jesus. The man born blind physically encounters Jesus. The Pharisees physically encounter Jesus. And only one of them sees who He really is. Even though the Pharisees could see with their physical eyes. They saw God in the flesh. But to them, He was just a Jewish carpenter's son. He was just somebody who was born of a potentially shady birth. Because they didn't believe in the virgin birth. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God who came, was born of the Virgin Mary, and, and, and who was born in Bethlehem. They just saw some Nazarene, podunk, carpenter son, uneducated. Of course, they could never defeat him when they came at him theologically, when they came at him intellectually, when they came at him and they saw the miracles he was doing. They just tried to silence him by killing him, picking up stones, calling him a blasphemer. So, we need to see right away that the Gospel of John is about helping us see something in Jesus 
that cannot be seen with physical eyes. That must be seen with the eyes of faith. That must be seen on a supernatural level. And it will change everything. So when the Pharisees deny Jesus, this blind man who gets healed has a different take. Right? Listen to what he says in John chapter 9 and verse 25 when he's questioned by the Pharisees and they're all interrogating. They're doing the grand inquisition. And he answers them and says, whether this man is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. This blind man saw something with the eyes of faith. And he would later say, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. And Jesus would come to him and declare himself to be the Messiah. And this man would bow down and worship and say, Lord, I believe. He could see now both physically and he could see spiritually. He had new eyes. And my prayer all week has just been, and especially yesterday, that believers present here today would just, that we would get like LASIK on our eyes so that we'd be able to see more clearly who Jesus is. And that if we're blind to who Jesus is, and we're not believers, and, 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 and we don't see this Jesus as a glorious King, a glorious Savior, as the only Son come from the Father, full of grace and truth, that we'd begin to get eyes to see it and behold it and get helped by it. Because that's the question before us in John's Gospel. What do you see when you look at Jesus? What do you see? Who do you see? How does that play out in everyday life? How does that play out when you're working? How does that play out when you're interacting with family? How does that play out when you have an opportunity to share this Jesus? Because if you see Him as glorious, if you see Him as salvation come into a dark world to save sinners... There's going to be some gravity behind what you say and how you live because of this great Jesus who changes everything. I mean, these 12 apostles who end up being the, the first missionaries of the church were just set afire by a vision of Jesus, by seeing Jesus, and John wants us to apprehend this stuff as Christians so that we might declare it to a world that is totally dead. Because the stakes are, couldn't be higher. I stand before you today as somebody who 22 years ago hated Christianity, hated the faith. I couldn't see it. No matter how much somebody told me, I couldn't see it. And I, I sneered at Christians. 
and I, I couldn't see. I saw what they said about Jesus. I heard it and I laughed at it. I saw like, oh, they're, they're, they're bringing their Bibles around and they're, they're talking about Jesus and praise the Lord and they're raising their hands and they're doing all this stuff. Can we do that in Baptist? Can we raise our hands when we worship? Okay. Uh, but they're doing all this stuff. And I just thought it was silly. I was blind. I thought living my life, binging alcohol, going to parties, doing drugs, selling drugs, getting arrested, vandalizing property, doing all sorts of things like that. I thought that was the way to live. I thought that was really having fun. And I was so empty because I couldn't see what was so clear and what John is laying before us here. So I just want to read to us again with fresh eyes. I, I want us to, to start beholding something here. I want us to, to go through some stuff that we've went through before, but I want to see, I want us to see, and I'm praying the Spirit would help us just have some aha moments. Things would click. The Spirit would work on your heart in a way where you're just like, Jesus is awesome. He's glorious and He's worthy of worship and He's worthy of praise and He's worthy to declare to the world. That's the kind of Savior we serve. And the stakes are high. Listen to John 3.36 just to set before you how serious this kind of seeing is. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. That's the natural state of every human being on the planet apart from Jesus. The wrath of God remains on us because of our sin. We're in darkness. And we love our darkness. And perhaps you, before you came to know Jesus, you were just living in darkness in different ways. Maybe it wasn't like me. Maybe your darkness was rebellion against your parents. Maybe your darkness was running away into escapism, running away into things to busy yourself with the mundane affairs of life. But you had no heart for God and no thankfulness for God. And the wrath of God was on you. And that's the state of the world. Nothing less than the wrath of God on them. And now I introduce you to the first chapter of John so we can get a glimpse and remember again what it's like to behold the Son and behold the Lamb of God. Because both of those truths are the answers we need to give to the world around us and to live well in this world for the glory of God. So look at it with me. John 1, 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was 
with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the eternal Word of God that was before all things. I mean, let that blow your mind. When there was no time or space, Jesus was with the Father. He was face to face with the Father. That word, and He was with God, means they're face to face. There's a relationship there. There was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity. That's how love could exist prior to the creation. God didn't make us because He needed to love something. Because there was something wrong with Him and He needed to make the creation so that He might love us. God was love. He had love within Himself. The Father loved the Son and the Son loved the Father and the Spirit. There's a triune relationship and one God for all eternity. And so we get it right. He was God. Jesus was God. And with the Father at the same time. And then, of course, He created everything. There's not a thing that He that, that was made that Jesus didn't make. So when you go out today and you start worrying about finances and you start worrying about the affairs of life and you start worrying about emergencies that seem like they're encroaching on you, you need to know that Jesus is the One who made the universe and He is for you if you're a Christian and He's going to be with you to the end of the age. He'll not let you go. He will not fail you. And no matter what darkness befall you, He is the light of the world and He'll get you through it. And nothing can stop King Jesus and His work in your life. Every one of the apostles would learn that and they would go to the very death of martyrdom, many of them. Because Jesus is worth it and this life is not all there is. If you're living just clinging to this life, clinging to getting more stuff, clinging to the world, you're missing the beauty and the glory and the greatness of Jesus as the Son of God who's come for you so you could know God. And you're made for it. And so much of us settle for dabbling in darkness. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone is coming into the world. The true light which gives light to everyone is coming into the world means Jesus is the light that we need when we're born into darkness. When we're born with the lights off. We're born like the blind man who couldn't see from birth. And Jesus comes along and gives sight. That's what happened to you if you're a Christian. You were blind. It doesn't matter if you were six and all of a sudden you started seeing 16 13, 30, or 80. And if you're in here today and you are blind to the things of Jesus, and Jesus isn't sweet to you, God can turn the light on. And perhaps over the months and weeks and years, He's been turning lights on and things have been clicking and you're realizing you haven't really given your heart to Jesus. He's light. 
He's life. He's truth. I loved the dark until it destroyed me and almost killed me. Because that's all the dark does. It enslaves you. Darkness enslaves and darkness destroys, but Jesus is the light of the world and He's come into the world. And until He gets a hold of our hearts, we're just going to love our sin. And we're going to love to live apart from God. But when He gets a hold of your heart, He won't let you go. And He won't leave you the same. He'll sanctify you. He'll be working in your life. He'll send difficult things sometimes to help you and discipline you and grow you and strengthen you and sustain you. He won't let you just be lukewarm. You will not feel right if you're a child of God and you've experienced light and you keep walking in darkness. Jesus is the Son of God who came as the light of God into the world. And we need to know that this is absolutely, unmistakably, unquestionably the love of God towards every one of you. That God would condescend to come into the world to take on flesh. I don't know if it was the Atlantis Morissette song, what if God was one of us, right? And that's blasphemous, whatever she was singing. But God became one of us to save us because He loved us. For God so loved the world, the world of men in darkness, that He would send His Son. He would send the Divine Son into the world that anybody who believes wouldn't perish. He doesn't want people perishing. He doesn't want people perishing. But He will be just and He will have wrath towards sin. But He's provided a way. That's why, and we were talking about this on Wednesday, Christianity was called the way in the book of Acts. Because it was the way. It was the way to God. It was the way to salvation. It was the way to redemption. It was the way to renewal. It was the way to defeat darkness. It was the way to overcome evil. It was the way that would restore the world and the cosmos to the way it was supposed to be. And God did it when He sent Jesus into the world. And He is culminating His saving purposes throughout history. And we're here in 2023. And what is the call of God? upon Smithfield Baptist Church today? What is the call of God on every one of our lives if it's not to behold Jesus and show Him to the world? Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. He's full of grace and truth. Jesus is God's grace in its most potent, full, complete form. It's God's grace. Jesus is God's grace reaching out 
to a broken world and a broken humanity and a broken you and saying, I love you and I've done everything it takes to save you if you'll believe. Because the Son became the Lamb. And John the Baptist gets some testimony all through chapter 1. He was the man who came who bore witness to the light. He wasn't the light, but he bore witness to the light. He's the one who said, yeah, this is the one who came from before me, who ranks before me. This is the one who's going to baptize with the Spirit and fire. This is the one who is the Son of God. And then he says in verse 29, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold, God has provided for Himself a sacrifice for sinners. Behold, Jesus upon a cross to save us. Behold, Jesus who knew no sin as the perfect Lamb of God to be slain for you when you deserve to be slain because of your sins. To bear the wrath of God for you when wrath abided on you and Jesus took it on Himself. And if you believe, you receive forgiveness of sins and the life of God coming into you. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins. This Lamb can deal with your problems. He really can. You think there's problems going on in your life that are too hard for Jesus? Yeah, but you don't know my situation. You don't know what's going on in my heart. But Jesus does, and He can deal with it. Behold, John says, the Lamb of God. Now, sometimes that's foreign to us, this idea of lamb. But John was speaking of the Passover lamb. John was speaking of the lamb that had to be slain in the book of Exodus as God was bringing judgments on the Egyptians and God was bringing judgment after judgment after judgment, and there was one judgment on the firstborns. All of the firstborns would perish. And Israel was commanded to sacrifice a Passover lamb. And the judgment of God would pass over those who had the lamb's blood on their doorposts. So they would slaughter the lamb, they'd have to put the blood on the doorposts, and when the judgment came, it passed over them. And it went to those who didn't have the Lamb. So, if we're here today and we have the Lamb, if we're beholding the Lamb, if we're seeing the Lamb, if we've tasted the Lamb's forgiveness, if we've experienced the redemption He provides, if we've trusted Jesus, that blood has been credited to our account. That righteousness has been credited to our account. That substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is credited to your account. And God's judgment passes over you. And you don't have to face hell. You don't have to face wrath. But you can have life. 
So it really, really, really matters if we behold the Lamb of God. And if we behold the Son of God and the Lamb of God in faith, and we turn away from our sins, we experience true salvation, true forgiveness, and true life. And as I said, there was a time when I was blind to these things. I didn't see. I was blind, and I thought light was darkness, and darkness was light. And I didn't like any talk of the Lamb or the Son of God. And I've shared before my testimony in different parts, and I'm just going to share a little bit more today. Because I, I just woke up yesterday and I thought to myself, it's just a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle that God would save me. It's a miracle because I really was blind. And the Bible's true when it says we're blind, right? Jesus said in John 3, 3, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom. He was talking to Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel. You can't see. You're blind. Well, I was blind. I grew up in a home with one Jewish parent and one nominal Christian parent. Now, my mom's a, a solid believer, loves Jesus now, but back when I was being raised, we just didn't go to church. We didn't, I mean, maybe once a year we went to temple and once a year we went to church, and I just thought, this is for the birds. And I quickly got into the drug scene in my high school years and even before that, and I was just smoking enough pot to be a, in a Cheech and Chong video or something like that, I, all I did was party. And I was kind of the ringleader among my friends. Many of my friends, sometimes I lament today, are still in darkness. And I participated in all of that blind to the Lord and blind to the things of God. Living a life of rebellion against God. Pretty soon it got so bad, I barely graduated high school. My mom, I think, had to beg my woodshop teacher to give me another shot at making some cabinet. Um, and if you've been around me very long, I'm not very handy in those sorts of ways. Um, probably because I didn't pay attention in woodshop. But I barely graduated high school. And I was trying the college thing for about a year until my friends and I thought it would be a good idea to get drunk and go vandalize the neighborhood. And one of my friends bled a trail of blood back to the house we were staying at. So it took about an hour for the police to arrive. And we were busted. And I just began thinking, you know, this isn't going all that well. This whole living apart from God. Maybe I just need discipline. That's what it is. I need discipline. I'll go into the Marine Corps. So that was my big idea to sort of 
fix myself a little bit. I still love sin, and I'm still going to sin, but I just, you know, I'm going to try to fix myself a little bit. So I go into the Marine Corps. And oh, boot camp was, boot camp was rough. I, <laughs> it, it put me a little bit in check. But you can fake discipline. And you can follow directions on some level. Pretty soon I'm doing the same stuff I was doing before the Marine Corps, in the Marine Corps, and worse. And every weekend is a blur. And it's just the grace of the Lord that I didn't destroy myself completely. And ultimately, it took coming to a place where drugs began to overtake my life. And I had a scare at one point that I did too much. And I just begged God one night as I felt like my heart was going to explode and my friends are laughing at me and they leave and I'm stuck in a room in the middle of Mexico. What? God, don't let me die in here. I don't want to go to hell. All of a sudden, I, I was praying. And I made it through. And do you think that stopped me? I just kept doing the same thing. I just kind of modified a little. And pretty soon I get in trouble with the Marine Corps and I'm restricted in the barracks and I'm there 60 days. I couldn't go anywhere but just stay in my room and go to work. My parents begged me because prior to this, I had basically just took off, didn't report in for about a week and that's a big no-no in the Marine Corps. And they called my parents and they're begging me to come back and I'm just like, no, doing the party life, you know, and uh, that's, that's when I had my Sean Penn sort of California voice, and I'm just going to live this way. I'm done. And something just drew me back. And as I reflected in the barracks, God sent a Christian with a word. And I'm at the lowest of low, and I skipped a bunch of stuff because it's just we don't need to go into all of it. I was just in darkness. I was alone. I was isolated. I had tried everything to satisfy my soul, and nothing was working. I looked to everything. I looked to drugs. I looked to sex. I looked to popularity. I looked to power. And none of it satisfied my soul and I had a huge guilty burden on my conscience because God began to awaken me to my sin. God began to show me I was running from him and this sweet Christian just shared the gospel with me and said, listen, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end the way is death. That's the way you've been running. You've been running from God and you've been running towards death and that's all living a life apart from God is. You're running towards death. You may run towards death in religion. You may run towards death in licentiousness. You may run towards death in false religions. But the only way to life is through Christ. 
because you've got to behold the Lamb of God and the Son of God for who He truly is. You've got to see what's happening here in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus is full of grace towards you and full of truth, the quest for truth and the quest for redemption is over because you found the Lamb of God. And so I remember being so convicted about the words, simple words of the gospel. Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins and to bear the wrath you deserve. He was buried. Three days later, He rose. He's alive. And He's speaking to you today. Will you turn from your sin and trust in Him? And I was so convicted. I knelt down in my barracks, hung up the phone, and I spent that night praying a real prayer for the first time. A real repentant prayer, I guess I would say. And I said, Lord, forgive me. I know you're real. I know you've been calling me. I know I've been running from you. I know I've been living in sin. I know I've been wasting my life. I know I'm so far gone. And Jesus was real to me in a way that I can... It's changed everything. The forgiveness of God. The reality of having eyes to see who He is when I hated Him and everything about Him and everybody who was about Him. And the love of God just lavished me like a blanket. It poured over me like a fountain. And I just cried tears of joy at the redemption of God that broke in. All of those years in darkness and the light went on. And God changed me in an instant. And then I began telling people about Jesus. And I was still pretty rough. I was sharing the gospel with people and I'd have a few curse words here or there. And God one day spoke to me basically and was like, how can you share the gospel and have that kind of mouth? And I got convicted and slowly, little by little, God began to work on this Marine who was hardened and full of licentiousness and began to transform me. And pretty soon, the people started getting a little weirded out that I was talking about Jesus. My life was changing. And they were a bit frightened that the biggest partier in my unit was telling them about Jesus. And before long, we started having Marine Corps Bible studies and people started coming to my doorstep saying, my wife left me. I know you know God. Can you help? Because listen, when we get that this lamb is real, when we get that this son actually came, when we get and we behold the glory of Jesus and we behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, we can't stay the same. So where are you at today with Jesus? Have you truly found a Savior in Christ and experienced the forgiveness of God? Or are you still on the run deep down? 
God is speaking to you today. Run towards life. Run towards hope. Run towards truth. And if you're in Christ, let the majestic glory of Jesus totally transform you. And go out and live for Him in this world. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your faithfulness and I thank You for Your grace and I thank You that we can behold the Son of God and we can behold the Lamb of God and He changes us. He saves. He redeems. And Lord, I just, just want to pray right now for those who are in here who maybe just are experiencing the pull and the tug of the Holy Spirit. I, I need God right now. I need I need the forgiveness of God. I need the peace of God. I need the joy of God. I need the, the life of God. I need the salvation of God to break in. And Lord, I just pray that you would be moving on their hearts. And that's you as we're praying. I just want you to lift up your hand in the air and acknowledge the spirits at work here. And, and just lift up your hand. And I'd love to pray for you if the Spirit of God is moving on your heart. Don't let today go by if the Spirit of God has spoken to you and, and you're being drawn to the Father. Don't stay on the run, but turn. Maybe you've been running into sin. Maybe you've been running into darkness and Jesus is speaking to you right now and saying, turn to me and live. Turn to me and trust me. So I just want you to raise your hand in the air as we're praying. God bless you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand in the air. The Lord is doing a work in your heart. God is calling you to repent. This is not a time for fear of man. It's a time for trust in the Lamb of God. doesn't matter how old you are. You could be young or old, married, not married. Anybody else? Just lift up your hand. Okay, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank You for Your faithfulness. We thank You for the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And for those, Lord, who are just acknowledging afresh that they need You, I just pray right now that in their hearts they would pray this prayer with me. Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner, but I believe that You're a Savior. And I believe that you came into the world to save me from my sins. Please forgive me. Please come into my life. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave. I just pray, send your Holy Spirit into my life. Change me. Help me to experience your love and your grace and your goodness. And Lord, I pray that you would baptize your people afresh now. Those who do know you, who, who, who trust you, baptize us with boldness. And we ask these things in the mighty name of King Jesus. Amen.